0: I have this question. I graduated. Paul graduated. John graduated. And Gary graduated. I would have loved to had that song while I was coming up. Kevin Day. Garrett Hooks, Paul Hooks, John Martin, and I don't know about this one, Bobby Cruz, Robin Wank. So what happened that we didn't get certificates? I, we got to talk, Garrett. Okay, we're going to start 2 Peter. I'm looking forward to this right out of 1 Peter this morning. 2 Peter, all things that pertain to life and godliness is what I've given the title this morning, looking at our precious faith. So would you stand with me as we read through the Word of God? I will read. You follow. I'm using the New King James Version. If you're using something different, that's fine. Uh, And then I want to do another responsive reading from one of the Psalms, Psalm 19. So here we go. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of, God and our save, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and Godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly, Great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. Yes? I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain, Mount of Transfiguration. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In that context of the Word of God, I want to responsibly read Psalm 19. So I'll read the, odd and, the first and odd verses. You read the second and even verses. As we get to chapter verse 7, it's going to talk all about the Word of God. So here we go. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The 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 fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Lord, we are so thankful we have the word in such abundance. In fact, many of us have several different Bibles here, there, and everywhere. But, Lord, unless we hear and then obey, unless we take these things and apply them, it's going to do us no good. And, Lord, this morning as we're talking about becoming partakers of the divine nature and the promises, the exceedingly great and precious promises, our salvation, the things that you are wanting to do in our lives, centering it, as Peter does here, as you have done, on your word. So give us ears to hear, I pray, what the Spirit is saying to us. We pray for our church. We ask, Lord, that we would always be under the truth and on the truth and in the truth so that you can do what you want to do. And that, Lord, we be yielded to you in your, by your word, to your will, and then you might work through us by the power of your Holy Spirit to transform us and conform us And to be more and more like Jesus. We love you, Lord. Our desire as believers are that we would know you more and more and more. We pray for anyone here that's watching, that's here, that doesn't know you. The knowledge of Jesus Christ would pervade right now. Invade, if you will, their space. That they would understand their need for your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace, your promises, your power. So their lives would be transformed through the gospel. In following after you, in knowing you, serving you, worshiping you, and glorifying you. We love you, Lord, please. The things I prepared, break them fresh. We are hungry for you. We're hungry for your word. Feed us. Right now, I pray. Give us these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So there was this really dumb movie that came out about 20 years ago. It was called Like Mike. It was rated PG. I don't recommend it. It's that dumb. But the story is very creative. You have a young boy who dreamed of being like Michael Jordan. And when lightning strikes his basketball shoes, voila, this 14-year-old boy plays like Michael Jordan. Now, someone said that lightning never strikes the same place twice. The only place that this kind of lightning strikes is Hollywood. This whole idea that we can be transformed like that is completely in error. How I wish that wasn't true. How, how about you? That the transform our lives would be just this momentary. We dream, bam, and we're that. And so if, if, if it were like that, we would be taking all the glory. The fact is that without the gospel, without knowing Jesus Christ, without Him coming into our lives, we would be heading toward a greater and greater corrupted life. With the gospel and with Jesus Christ, there's nothing greater than in knowing Him and then experiencing the transforming power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit in our lives. Is anything more worthwhile than that? Is anything more worthwhile? more worthwhile than knowing God through Jesus Christ. And then him in our lives transforming us. Peter is telling us this. We have been given divine promises, backed up by divine power to actually partake of the divine nature. That's what he's telling us. And if anyone knew this reality, it was Peter. We talked about that last week. We are becoming as believers more and more like Jesus Christ. There is no greater goal. There's nothing you'll ever be seeking after that's anything close to becoming more like our Savior. And he's telling us that. Romans 8:28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, he is the standard. Whoever, and then moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. And like my pastor, Smith, Chuck Smith, used to say, what do we say to these things? Far out. He lived in the hippie days. Second Corinthians. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's a freedom of being transformed and being conformed. But we all, with unveiled faces, Face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. How? Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, this is not possible until, first of all, you've been born again by the Spirit of God. And then second, you understand your need. I understand my need for the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling me, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, so that he can take me along in this process called sanctification. He can take my life along, and I'm thankful I'm not who I was, but I'm also thankful I'm not who Jesus, Jesus is not done with me yet, and he's not done with you. He is working in you both to will and to do of what pleases him. So, it's only through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that we are cognizant of our need to be changed, and that we are then given this, the Holy Spirit, God-given gift of the Holy Spirit to then work out that, that transformation. Now, here's the thing. It necessitates our participation. It necessitates our cooperation. It necessitates, as Paul wrote to the Romans, yielding our members as instruments of righteousness to God. Of responding to the Holy Spirit. Of taking these matters very uh, graciously and thankfully and diligently and saying, okay, if this is going to happen... I must be participating. I must be cooperating. I must, if I'm going to be partaking of the divine nature. So Philippians puts it this way, Paul. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now also in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do. Now notice what he says. uh, Do all things without complaining. (laughs) There's some transforming that needs to take place. And disputing, <laughs> that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom also you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in me. Paul saying, you hold on to the word. You hold on to what God said because I don't want to be dis- disappointed in what's happened to your life. I want to see you transformed. I want to see you conformed in the image of Christ. And is that not the heartbeat of every parent in this room, every grandparent in this room, for our children to become more and more like Christ? John put it this way. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in what? Truth. The word of God. So there's three things that I'm going to hit this morning in this message. First of all, his divine power has given us all things. Say Amen. His divine power has given us all things. We are, we are giving all diligence to do these things, and they're these things. It's not all things, these things, and Peter lays that out. And then third, all these things, listen carefully, I know you are, the word of God, they do not change. They do not change. So what Peter wrote, however many years ago, still applies in the same manner as when he wrote it. It's the word of God. He tells us that. So his has give us all things exceeding the great and, promise, great and precious promises. Now what does that mean? Here's a simple, know Jesus. Know Jesus through whom all blessings flow. The great and precious promises come through Jesus. So know, do you know him? You ever see that little video? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus this morning? And is he the pursuit of your heart as a believer? Are you pursuing your relationship with him above all others? Peter, a bondservant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior. The author is Simon Peter, first a servant, second an apostle. He's writing to those who have this precious... In fact, the language is, this faith is a precious gift of God for us. He used this word precious three times in this epistle. Number one, the Christian faith is precious. Number two, the blood of Christ is precious. Number three, the promises of God are precious. Put them in line. Put them in line. The Christian faith... The blood of Christ and the precious faith that comes through that is ours. So this like precious that he says here are two words that come from a compound Greek word which means equal plus honor. So the idea is that it's used when foreigners who had been granted the privilege of citizenship were equal to those who are of native birth. I share that because I think it's just a little nugget that In other words, their faith was of equal honor and privilege as the apostles. Like precious faith. Our faith gives us the same precious standing, freedom, liberty, because we know Christ. And that's what Peter's saying. So he says, with us, he includes himself along with all others. As far as faith that saves, there's none that's on a little higher platform. It's level ground at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. That's how we all came. To know Jesus. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the righteousness of God is talked about in the book of Romans, in chapter one. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from what? Faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans again, chapter three. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This has always been God's plan. His word's been clear. The righteousness of God is imputed to us through faith. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. To who? To all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. When we came to be saved, God imputed to us his righteousness. He overlooked that need for, for the Savior. He pr- was providing the bulls and all those things. But when Jesus came, he became our righteousness. I say again, far out. That's what's ours. So the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Not added, multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Seven times in this first chapter, that word know, knowledge, in different forms, is p- Peter uses it. Knowledge, know God. And that whole idea, it's a key word. The whole idea is is that we have this knowledge that's far beyond just intellectual ascent. We know God. So there are many things about which we may have knowledge. But the most important knowledge is that we know God and we know the Lord Jesus Christ. To me, that's the emphasis of this chapter. Know Jesus. Do you know him? Paul, writing to the Philippians, said, What things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet, Yes, indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is according to the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Yeah, but he also says and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. We understand that without death there's no resurrection. But as we have been crucified with Christ, as we've given our life, the old things are passed away, they're buried. We're gonna have a baptism next week. They're buried. And we are risen anew in this life in Christ, having been imputed the righteousness of Christ, been given the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm getting excited. I mean, this is incredible. What's been given to us as believers. And Paul says, I just want to know him. I want to know him. I count all the trophies, all the diplomas, all the degrees, rubbish. Put them there because that's in contrast to knowing him. And is that not so true for the believer? To know him. His divine powers give us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Here it is, through the knowledge of him. Everything we need for life and godliness is ours. In knowing Jesus Christ, who called us by glory and virtue. This virtue means it's more than purity. It speaks, listen, this is great. It speaks of courage and valor, virtue. Does not our relationship with Jesus Christ set a whole new understanding of glory and valor? Certainly it does. Who called us? By God called us to Jesus for salvation. Salvation has called us to glory and virtue, by which have been given us exceedingly great and precious. Doesn't say by just precious promises, but exceedingly great and precious promises. They're out of this world. They're out of our comprehension. The fantastic assessment of the promises of God as being precious and exceedingly great, that through these you might be partakers of divine nature. In other words. These promises are out of this world. And they're out of our reach, except in Christ Jesus. That's how precious they are. When Adam was created, he was creating the image of God. Sin ruined that image. Jesus, through the cross, redeemed us, and now he's recovered, if you will, that image. He's restored once again this glorious image of Christ in our lives as believers having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Would you say amen? This is the great breakout from the prison of sin. We break out of sin in this glorious thing called salvation for us. And he points to lust or greed. Behind the corruption in the world is the lust of the flesh. Is the greed of a sinful nature. It corrupts everything it touches. And we are seeing that corruption surfacing and puking out in many, many ways. James says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do not even come from your from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, James cuts to the chase right through the whole book. So I'm, I, I read these for us just to take to heart, take the word of God in. Here's what P- James is addressing. The same thing of the lust of the flesh or the lust of our flesh. He says, adulterers and adulterers, do you not know that, f- that friendship with the world's en- is is enmity? With God. Whoever therefore wants to be the friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You can't live both worlds. There needs to be a coming out and a transformation. This great breakout from the prison of sin. I'm no longer seeking the things of the world. I'm no longer going after my my passions and material possessions. They're not the motivating things any longer. I'm motivated by things like Jesus put it this way. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear or drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Does that mean we don't need them? No. Does that mean we don't work? No. He's putting the priority where it needs to be as far as all of life and godliness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Oh my goodness, how does that work? That's what Jesus said. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. How many of you found that? We worry about so many things that never happen. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, live day to day, trusting God to take care of your life. But live day to day. Knowing God is the one who wants to transform your life. And all the things that come along in your life and in my life are a part of God's wonderful, great, and precious promises to transform us that we might be partakers of the divine nature. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. Now, I love this little nugget here. This word in the Greek is the word from which we get chorus or choreography. It has the idea of a supported expression of our, fa- our faith, a, supported expre- a supporting expression of the whole. And so faith, to faith, we are to supply. We are to add, we are to support, we are to express. We are to choreograph, if you will, seven virtues. Now the picture I like best for me, it's not the idea that once we have faith down, we add virtue. Okay, one, two, check, check. And then we get the virtue down and we add knowledge, check. No, it's the language that all these seven virtues are a full expression of faith. They're a supply to. They're a part of the whole. So the picture that I like the best is one of a symphony. And you have the conductor. Conductor. And the conductor stands, not no instruments, but the conductor is simply up with the flutes. I don't know if I'm doing the right side here or not. And so as the the song is being played, or you might look at at a choir, and you have the harmonies, and you have all these things that go together and blend together to make a beautiful one sound. And so the conductor, in my mind, is the Holy Spirit. And so as he's conducting our lives... He's saying, this right now is what you need a little more of. We need to hear that a little. We need to focus on this section or that section. But it's all a whole expression of a full faith. So this is the working out of our salvation. Here we have the conductor. Am I practicing? Am I sounding? Am I harmonizing with this full expression of what God wants to do in the faith he's given to me? As a gift. It's the working out of our salvation. It's giving all diligence to add what? Virtue. By the way, the Christian, this starts with faith and ends in love. That's the path. So virtue is goodness or moral excellency. These are all things we are to be doing, practicing. Knowledge is not that, not that of intellectual pursuit, but a spiritual knowledge which comes only through the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians, he hits this. Paul, again, 1 Corinthians 2, these things all, we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We are in a whole nother realm as believers in knowing God. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may be instructed, but we have the mind of Christ. Wow. Self-control. How many don't know what self-control is? In other words, I'm setting aside my passions, bringing them under the control of the Holy Spirit to do the things that God's called me to do. It's the opposite of excesses. So it has the idea of moderation, restraint, temperance. So need a little moderation here. What's going on right now? Need a little self-control here. Perseverance means long-suffering. Someone wrote it this way. We view time with God's eyes. So I always feel like God's either late or too soon. Never. So the things that are going on, God's saying, okay, we need a little perseverance right now. Exercise your faith. Add to your faith. Expressing. Godliness is devotion to God. Brotherly kindness is the word phileo. But then he says to phileo, agape. That unconditional love. So it begins with faith, ends in love. Verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. little self. In other words, we're exercising ourselves. We're a part of this melody. We're a part of this, this chorus of faith that our lives express. And it comes in many different facets, but it's a whole expression. And so there are times, and you know this as well as I do, there are times when different things are called for that exercise our faith, that we exercise our faith in doing them. So the question is, are you diligent to add these things? These qualities, virtues of faith, as you're called upon and these are yours and abound not just ex- but they're abounding the holy spirit when we do that will bring forth life and a life that is very fruitful jesus put it this way i am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away that it and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may be more fruitful he is the master vine dresser. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you is not a salvation issue. It's a fruitful issue. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I in the vine; you are the branches. He abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. I have so often tried to disprove that truth. That apart from my relationship, my intimacy with Christ, I can actually do something doesn't work that way. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Faith, love, and the full expression includes all of these other things, these virtues. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. Even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Peter does not say become short sighted, he says is short sighted. In other words, he's blind because he is nearsighted. He can't see past his own nose. I like to call him, we might call him the Mr. Magoo Christian. Now, I was asking some of these young guys back there, do you know who Mr. Magoo is? I have no idea who Mr. Magoo is. How many know who Mr. Magoo is? You're old, okay. But you're also as old, you understand what Mr. Magoo is dealing with. I can't see anything, I can't hear anything anymore. Due to, listen, due to a lack of interaction with Jesus Christ, a lack of responding to the word of God, A lack of doing the things and adding those things when needed and when called upon. Because of that, what Jesus initially did begins to fade. We forget how we first came to him. And that coming to him that he forgave us of our past sins, he forgave us completely, was the motivation to seek after him. But something happened. This is what I believe happens. We are no longer doing the things that our faith calls us to do. We're no longer partnering, if you will, with God through the Holy Spirit. We're no longer yielding our members to God to do what He has called us to do in our faith. Say, okay, I surrender. Okay, I repent of that. I own that sin. I own that weakness that's mine that led to sin. I own that and I repent right now. I say, I'm done. And say, God, would you help me and fill me afresh in forgiving me and cleansing me that I can, next time it comes along, here's another opportunity to add to my faith, to raise the level, the chorus, the harmony. In my life. See those who do not add these things. Will lack these things. It requires our participation. In this thing called salvation. Not willing to see the things that I need to see. Because I'm not willing to do the things that I need to do. And Jesus talks about that. We lose sight. Life and godliness are much more than a mental assent to some truth. They are living the truth in obedience to God. They are a heart response in hearing and then doing the word of God. Now, this parable comes up. I'll have it up there. A great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. He sowed some fell by the wayside; it was trampled down. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock. On rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, "He who has an ear." To hear, let him hear. And so his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? So here we have it. Here's what it means. And he said, to you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest is given in parables that seeing they may not see, no, they don't want to see. And hearing they may not understand because they don't want to hear. They don't want to understand. Now this is the parable. The seed is, listen, the seed is the word of God. Peter is going to spend most of this epistle talking about the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear it. The devil comes along and takes away the word out of their hearts that they should believe and be saved. So the first response is a hard response. The seed just lays there and the devil comes right along and takes it. Second response. The ones who, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word, notice, with joy... And these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. In other words, an emotional response is shallow at best. Woo! I've had a lot of those. Woo! But I don't have any root. It's just emotional level. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. This is a divided response obeying God. It chokes out. So you got a hard response? No response. You got an emotional response? Woo! No depth. You have this divided response and the the fruit begins, but then all these other things come and choke it out. So it brings no fruit to mature. The only one The ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. I don't like the word patience, but that's there, with patience. Brothers, I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. I want to say to you, this response to the word of God has everything to do with the condition of my heart. And the Holy Spirit will come upon me and you as believers. And he's going to be nudging us and convicting us and showing us these areas where we got, to, we got to, a little more practice in this thing. We got to raise this up. Maybe it's in the area of endurance. Maybe it's in the area of, of impatience. Whatever it is. And the Holy Spirit is the conductor who's saying to you and to me as believers, here is the area that right now I'm calling upon. And if you'll trust me and believe me in obeying me, I will show you what I can do that you never could. James puts it this way. Well, no, let me go to to Matthew chapter seven. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended and the floods came. And notice, that will happen in our lives. The rain will come, the floods will come. There will be troubles and winds blow and there will be those things beating on our lives. It did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Notice, it's not that he has a bad foundation. He has no foundation. Sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on house, and it fell, and great was his fall. My encouragement, my exhortation to every one of us as believers, we must be giving ourselves, I've said this a million times in my own heart, to the word of God. But not just as a mental understanding, not just some information, but the inspiration through the power of the Holy Spirit to take what God has said in his word, apply it to my life, and watch what he can do in my life. James says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, it's it's a deception of the flesh. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what manner of man. No, this is what that says to me. When I look into the word, I better take a minute here to pray. Oh, I got it, did my, and walk away. No, take a minute to pray. I've seen it, I've seen what God, now let's take a moment to think about this. Let's bring this before the throne of grace. Let's bring us to God in prayer and say, okay, I just read that, and what, okay, what, what would you have me to do? What are the things in here in my life? I don't want to just hear it. I just want the information. I want the Holy Spirit to be able to take the inspiration given to me through the word of God to then transform my life to be more like Jesus. He who looks in the perfect law of liberty continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, word, work, this one will be blessed. He says, work, do it. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus. In other words, don't let this happen, brother, sister, Kevin. Don't let this happen. Cooperate, participate. It begins many times with repentance and confession and being washed And then saying, okay, so thankful, Lord, for another opportunity to be better practiced in this, my faith. Add, add, add. All these things do not change. They'll be the same as they were for Peter and us and our grandkids and our great-grandkids and every generation down the line These things do not change. His his divine power is given all things that pertain to life and God. It's exceedingly great and precious promises. So what's the deal here? Know Jesus. That's never going to change. I want my life changed. You want your life changed. You want to see transformation? We got to know Jesus more and more. We got to bow before him more and more. We got to worship him more and more. We got to pray. We are giving all diligence to these things, these things, these virtues of our faith, all diligent. And then he says, I'm going to even more diligent to say to you, stay at it. Add, add, add. Respond, respond, respond. Hear, hear, hear. Obey, obey. And Peter says that. He says, For this reason, I'm not being negative to remind you, though you know these things. Peter's saying, I might, You might think I'm just like rattling on here. You've heard it a million times. But let me ask you a question, dear believer Is this not the exact thing we need to hear? time and time and time again. That the word of God is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. That the word of God is sure and steadfast. It will never change. And so we better be praying that this word is changing us and we're not changing the word. I'm going to remind you, though, you know these things. I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent. Notice he's ready to die as Jesus said he would. He's ready to give up the tent. We know that when this earthly house, this tent is dissolved. We have a building of God not made with hands, eternal in heaven. I say, let's get on with it. (laughs) Peter says, I'm gonna be dying, my deceased. I'll be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder. So he wrote it down and now we read the same thing. He said, we did not follow cunning, devised fables. Peter said, I didn't make this thing up. God revealed it to me. You also. When we have known to you the power, that's the Mount of Transfiguration. He's saying, these aren't fables, these are facts. Now, I will say to you that it's disturbing to me in these days in which we live, which is nothing new, to see what leaders with large platforms are saying and doing with the word of God. This should be upstream from all culture, the word of God in our lives prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. The imagery of that as a word is as light in darkness. Corruption. And that's what the word of God is. Knowing that no, prophet, that, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. We don't get to decide how this is going to be interpreted. We don't get to decide if I like it or I don't like it. And brothers and sisters of the Lord, if our faith is going to be exceedingly precious to us. We, we must continue to hold fast to what we know is true. If I'm taking God's word for what it is, it's not complicated, number one, but it's powerful. The word of God is God-breathed. Holy men were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is an incredible, incredible book. So if we have like three more hours, we could talk more about that. One scripture and we'll close. 2 Timothy 3. But you must continue, Paul to Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And from childhood, moms and dads, are you reading the word of God to your children? Are you you flooding them with the truth of the word of God? It will not return void. You continue to do that. And I'm telling you, these little kids are like sponges. Just soak it up. They might be playing with their Legos, and you're teaching the Word. So you've known from childhood the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, For instruction in righteousness, what? That the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We hold tightly, and that's why I wanted to to close. The scriptures are the revelation of God himself. The scriptures cannot be correctly interpreted without the Holy Spirit. The scriptures are never to be interpreted according to my likings, but according to what is God saying. The scriptures are inerrant and infallible and never change, and they have the power to change our lives. So I wanted to close if you would stand, by reading again from Psalm 19, but this time only verses 7 through 14. As the band, our, our worship team comes out, I'd like to close in worshiping God, understanding his revelation to us through his word is absolutely incredible. And what the psalmist writes here is this revelation, the perfect revelation of the Lord has been given to us. We've just gone through a very short part of that revelation in 2 Peter. Here we go. I'll read this odd verse and you read it even let's take this in as we do the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise is simple. the simple the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever the judges of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. So, as we close in, in this with this song, I am going to just ask all of us just to come to bring our hearts and minds before God in His truths and the things that the, those areas that maybe the Lord's put, put a little on your mind this morning. And if we will just come to Him in worship. Acknowledge that he is the one who transforms us. He's the one that's working in us to will and to do. He's the one. And we just need to bow before him in worship and say, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not who I was, but I'm thankful I'm not who you're going to make me yet. And let's just worship him for the desire he has toward us in loving us to a greater and greater faith in him, trust in him, and the glories that will follow. Amen? Let's do that.